Hi, everybody. Welcome to Babs Buzz. This is the last show of the year. It's probably going to go a little long. I'm really happy to be here. I'm going to read a prepared statement that I have for you because we were subjected to a couple of scams this year. So Jason Bortz was nice enough to take the time to write this for us. We receive inquiries and submissions from all types of writers, all genres at every level. Typically, we vet these inquiries and occasionally request the scripts based on their style, ability to turn a phrase or the strength of their hook. We might then examine the property to further determine whether or not representation is viable. Does the writer have chops? Are they experienced in craft? And are they savvy enough to understand what is market ready and what a work in progress really is? On a few occasions, writers have contacted us and offered properties that have a saleable hook but poor execution. And we'll suggest coverage from a reputable source and from whom we receive no kickback. We'll also ask for Blake, Blake Snyder Beach Sheet. You guys all know that. I'm a Save the Cat fan. And we'll discuss the writer, uh, we'll discuss with the writer the elements we believe may be sure, need, needing shoring up or polishing. Any involvement from us is always free of charge. We don't require a fee to read a script and we make no money from any coverage agency. However, our time is valuable. And as such, if we take the time to read the property or engage in conversation with the writer, we hope for a degree of respect and understanding that we're actually generally interested in seeing the author improve. Unfortunately, however, there are those who believe that they, if they can hook an agency, then the agency is beholden to them as though they have the next big thing. And it's the responsibility of the agency to cater to them. On more than one occasion, we've encountered authors who, upon gaining the slightest interest in their property, begin the process of bending the truth to further ramrod their script into the industry canon, pun intended. Writers have associated themselves with larger entities, dropping names they believe will incite greater interest, quote, so-and-so read this and liked it but didn't have time to do it, or, quote, I know such-and-such and they sent it to so-and-so, but nothing ever happened because of something and something, close quote. And these claims are common, believe it or not, <laughs> and from the writer's point of view, hard to substantiate. I mean, for the, from the writer's point of view, they might think, be thinking something like, who would actually call me on this? It's easy to believe then just take the trouble to confirm it. No, that's not true, kids. That's not true at all. We do take the time to confirm it. If you're a writer, you need to understand that every time you drop a name, we can verify it. Every association you cl lay claim to is a phone call away. This industry may be huge, but the relationships are intimate. On average, there are only typically two or three degrees of separation between agencies. And while misrepresentation is not rare, rather it's a fact of life, that's a sad truth, by the way. Misrepresentation is not rare. That's really distressing to me. Every A-list agency has a legal department devoted to processing claims of misrepresentation and fraud. And even smaller agencies have direct connections to the business affairs departments of seemingly untouchable organizations who rep the biggest names in the industry. Now, you may feel dropping a name to bolster the interest of your script is harmless. But unless you're a Nichols Fellowship finalist, it's the last thing you should do. Even if George Clooney read your script and loved it but passed, dropping his name will do nothing to further your career. He passed. That experience has nothing to do with your script in the here and now other than its anecdotal value. Your relationship with an agent is not based upon who else might like your script, but upon the quality of your work, the marketability, marketability of your property, and your ability to examine your story critically and make changes to better suit an industry that you're trusting an expert to assist you in navigating. If you lie to your agent, you're shooting yourself in the foot, because in this industry, the bigger the lie, 
the harder it is to cover, and chances are you'll get attention for it down the road, but not the kind of attention you might desire. If you start bending the truth to make yourself more appealing, be prepared for the consequences because when you slip down the road, because a relationship with an agency lasts longer than your immediate need for recognition, by the way, you'll come face to face with it the minute you actually enter into legal obligations that could end your career even with one white lie. Finally, it's rare that an agent will ever give you a critique before repping you. It's their, not their job to train you, to hold your hand, or to pat you on the back. Their job is to sell a marketable, marketable script. Just because they offer suggestions doesn't mean you deserve them. They do it because they want to rep solid properties and may believe you have what it takes. And sometimes, and this is key, sometimes their suggestions may simply be there to see how well you work with others, to see if your pride is in your work, and if more importantly, that your humility, what your humility level is like when you're taking a critique. So in other words, to see if you could take it when it comes to rewrites. To see if your confidence is in yourself is greater than in your confidence in your experience. So if you have confidence in yourself, that's good. The greater the confidence you have, that's good. That means you're going to be probably able to take rewrites better. But if it is all ego and no humility, that becomes a liability. Remember, you're seeking them for representation. They, meaning agents, we don't owe you anything. You receive a critique as a privilege, not a right. You may or may not agree with the feedback, but recognize the fact that someone took the time to see you as something more than just another self-addressed stamped postcard with a check in the no box, appreciate it, consider it, and make your next move a wise one. I say this, and I'm going to post it because I really didn't do it justice. Uh, Jason did a beautiful job writing it. I say this mostly because the scams that we were involved in were really time-consuming, not for my attorney, not for the person that helped us with the vetting. That's the easy part. You get a driver's license, you get a social. If they can't prove it, you know, you shit out of luck. Sorry, I'm not going to rep you. But it was so time-consuming for me because I had to deal with phone calls daily from the writer and from the manager and from the celebrity and from the celebrity's sidekick and from the celebrity's assistant, all of whom, by the way, were, no, were nobody except one person who spun this in, intense yarn uh, to make himself look um, interesting to me. Now here's where the rubber hits the road. You guys are going to be really proud of me. Wait till I tell you what happened. I hated the script and I told the guy's manager that. I mean, kids, the script sucked. It sucked. And I don't say that happily. I said to the manager, the script is terrible. Are you kidding me? I can't believe you're shopping this. There's done. And then there's market ready. He goes, everybody loves this. Red flag number one. Okay. If everybody loves it, why isn't somebody backing it? Okay, so in the end, he forks over to me some coverage he got from a very high end agency. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but you all know who it is. It's one of the top three. I got the notes from this particular agent and his reader. I got these notes after I gave him my notes on this script. And they match. I'm doing the happy dance. Why? Because my chops are getting better and better and better at this. And what happens? I pass that along to my Symphony Scripts audience. Right, Michael? Yes. Okay. So um, first off, to start the actual last show of the year, apart from that interesting little diatribe that I went into, big hugs and a shout out to Stephen Wells of the UK. He's in the Simply Script community. Love you, Stephen Wells, because he took the time to proofread autograph for me. 
He gave me amazing comments, wonderful notes. I used actually almost all of them except two or three. Thank you, Stephen. I'm chuffed, darling, that you took the time to do that. It was lovely of you. You're just Stella. Um, what I do corner, me as an agent, this is the what I do corner. You guys need to know this. Uh, we're able to keep our doors open because I hustle. <laughs> I really do. But a lot of the script sales and options, I've never sold a pilot yet, but I'm actually working on one. A lot of script sales and options that I've done for our clients actually don't make it into the major markets and the bigger outlets. But our doors are open. Our phones are ringing. And we are still working the phones. In the resenting a writer's success corner, I got um, some gossip that I'm really unhappy about. I heard about one of the writers on the thread that was getting maligned. Actually, not maligned. That's a bad word. I take that back. They were experiencing the sort of the jealousy thing. Um, in the artist's way, I, I re recommend that you take a look at pages 31 and probably 124. Please, if someone is starting to make it, I'll use Brett as an example because you all know him and love him. You guys wouldn't call up Brett and go, geez, I can't believe you got that deal, man. I'm so jealous. You wouldn't do that. You call Brett or I'll kick your ass if you did. But you you call him and go, dude, love you. Keep at it. This community, the reason why I do this show is because we all support each other. While we may not love each other's scripts and may not love each other's work and may not love each other's coverage and may not agree with each other. Michael and I were just talking about that. Do you know, Michael and I don't agree on everything. Michael doesn't like brownies. And the heck you say? Now, I'm just using that as an example. If you disagree with someone, you could disagree and not be hostile. I have a lot of love in my heart. I, I, I share that love with you guys every single time I do the show. That's why I do it. I don't do it really to hear myself talk, although occasionally I will play a show back to get myself motivated because I had a pitch. Bender Spink last week and they scared the crap out of me, but they're really nice people. But I still was a little frightened when I called them, but I got a nice reaction. So we'll see what happens. Um, a bit about buying coverage. I'm going to tell you about the absolute right. They, um, they have information about uh, my agency that's incorrect. I think they corrected it. Don't get on the thread. Please don't get on these sites and defend me. I don't need that. I only mention this for a reason. We don't charge for anything. We have you pay for your own coverage. We can't afford something like that. We're just too small. It's not a cost of doing business thing that we can afford to do. I know people have in-house readers and all that stuff, but we just don't do that. We'd rather. And you know what the truth is? When you get right down to it, the coverage really is for you. It's not for me. So uh, it's 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 like Jason was saying. If we think you we have you have a saleable hook, we're, we're gonna we're gonna follow up and find out what's going on. So, um, absolute right and 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 done deal pro. I got hammered on the boards because I asked for coverage and I asked that you pay for it. And they actually said, "Oh, Barbara charges sixty dollars to read a script." Uh, that would be no. You know, it's funny, Michael. The sad truth is, and simply scripts audience, of course. Um, the sad truth is, I probably could charge for my time, and no one would be the wiser. However, number one, I don't work that way. Number two, it's not ethical. And number three, the writers guild would shoot me. Yes, like with a gun, probably. Oh, did you guys see on the thread how funny this is? There's a picture of paper and scissors and a rock, and they're all holding guns on each other. Look at the caption hilarious made my day this morning so yeah we don't charge for coverage we never did we never will um i charge for my editing i will charge you to edit your script absolutely i have a really good rate for those writers and it, there's no promise of representation um and i take on very select scripts because i want to keep it cheap for you typically if i edit a script for you if i do a polish it's under 500 bucks but i do that rarely because i'm too busy editing novels that pays a little bit better and it helps me you know 
stay on my game wordsmithing wise. If you know anybody who wants me to edit a novel, I'm really worth the money, but that's a, a commercial for another day. Let's talk about the table read through. You guys know what fans I am about a table read. This is really huge for me, mostly because I think if you guys knew this, how something sounds versus how something reads. Perfect example. That thing I just read. I told Jason, I don't think I'm going to be able to read this in one take. And, you know, you heard me sort of trip over a couple of words. And I also ad-libbed a little bit because certain things he said gave me an emotional reaction. Um, I couldn't decide whether or not actually I was going to open the show with that or close. But I wanted to get it out of the way because it really was important. And I know you guys tune in and listen from Jump. Um, when you do a table read, it is so telling because you can really hear when ca- the biggest problem I'm seeing is characters that sound alike. Enter readthrough.com. They are one of the companies and you guys have a good company too, Michael. You may want to send me the name of the company that allows the reading. They tape it. iScript, I think it's called. Those are wonderful services for you guys. If you're a script you're in love with and you think you've hit a wall with it and you can't figure out what's making it happen, instead of spending a million dollars on Starbucks, why don't you invest in having your script read? professionally so you could hear it back you know pdf they have the it has the read through but it sounds so mechanic it's kind of a drag so you may want to check out readthrough.com or iscript because honestly when you hear it boy oh boy what a difference i can't even tell you how it's it really helps me when we have our family thing here and everybody grabs a roll and i read the slug lines and the or the action lines, and then everybody reads a roll. I really get a wonderful sense. Jason's going to be doing readings over at the Tower Theater. I can't wait for that. So, um, do do spend a couple of bucks on yourself and your craft, and don't be ashamed if it sounds bad. Just fix it. I mean, hello, you rewrite. That's the moral of the story of this show. Um, something you need to know about agency readers, by the way. Um, you guys know that I'll do page one, page five, page 10, page 12, page 25, page 55. And I also will read the first few pages to see if writer has voice. I can tell right away. I really can. I, I'm, I'm, you guys can probably tell right away too, right? I just heard a bunch of you go, yes, Barbara, we can. I want you to know something. I'm going to let you in on a secret. You listening? Say yes. It's a secret. You have to listen. Agencies skim. I'm going to repeat that. Because it bears repeating agencies, the readers, they skim. They do, they do, they do. And you know what? They'll be the first to admit it. So if you have something lengthy with a lot of black on the page, absent a hook, absent voice right away, absent story right away, absent making me care right away, which I'm going to elaborate on a little bit later, I can tell you straight up, kids, they're going to put your script down. So skimming. While you know that white has to be on the page, that means then every word counts, doesn't it? Of course it does. So you have your Rodales handy. Make sure your your uh, your Rodales is right by your side. God, I wish I could get that on cloud. I don't think you can yet. Um, in the you're the first person to ever tell me that corner. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Right. Okay. <clears throat> I read a script that a guy wrote. This is what he said to me on the phone. You know, Barbara, I've taken the script around and some really good people have read it. And you're the first person to ever tell me that. Red flag number two. So many red flags in the show, Michael. Have you noticed that? Can you send me a little icon of a red flag waving? I'm telling you, if I'm the first person, look it. Here's the deal with that. Are you listening? This is huge. 
So what? Number one. Okay. Number two, if I'm the, what does that tell you? Maybe somebody missed something earlier that, that you should have been made aware of in your script. Or maybe I'm the only one with the guts enough to tell you the truth. Or maybe you're someone's cousin and because of nepotism, they've decided, hmm, I don't think I want to offend this particular coppola. So, but the point is, if, if that somebody says that to me, you know what my rea- reaction is to them? Good. Now you know. Um, in the Kindle Cloud pickup corner, um, there's a great book out available. I didn't know if you knew this, Michael. This is kind of interesting. You don't actually need a Nook or a Kindle to get a book on cloud because you could just get it to your laptop. I'm such a dope. I didn't know that. There's a great book out called Q&A, The Working Screenwriter. Good stuff. I highly recommend it. I'm going to talk about three scripts, Long Shadow Woman, Brother Mozart, and Penitent Man. Penitent Man is about a guy who, um, it really, it's about repentance and redemption in, in a couple of different ways. But he's sort of chasing down the person who's, um, in, in, in reality, in his world, has is the source of his pain. Um, the truth is, he, you never really get away from pain. Life is pain. Brother Mozart, same thing. This kid could play violin classically, and he's being seduced by this rapper who wants to put him on his label. And the kid is really, he's pretty much just a human wishbone. Um, Long Shadow Woman, she's all by herself in the middle of nowhere with a gun defending the border of her land because she's got the water rights. And there's gangs along the border, and this little Indian kid, I think he might have been 10 or 12. I can't recall. Um, he ends up becoming, he, he ends up coming in, under her care. When I read these three scripts and they, and I picked these three mostly because they really are hits. They are, they are physical scripts that I have in my possession that I represent the writers that are not just fine movies. They are, all three of them are hits, meaning they would make money in the box office. They could garner awards. They could draw attention to directors and producers. The, these scripts are so viable, so beautifully crafted, and so emotionally addicting from the very first pages that to read them reminds me. Sometimes I'll read a script. Tw- you know how you read a, a book twice? Very rarely, but you, sometimes you find the time to do it because you're looking for that emotional rush that you got when you first read it. That happened to me with Penitent Man and Brother Mozart, and Long Shadow Woman. I can't tell you how important it is that you hook your reader emotionally. How do you do that? Hell if I know. I just know it when I see it. It's a lot like porn. You can't really describe it, but you know it when you see it. You've heard me say that many times. When I'm reading a script, and, and the I think it comes down to this. This is the sentence I wrote down. You know, I when I do my show prep, I write down a bunch of things that make me trigger happy so that when I'm talking to Michael, I can make a lot of sense. You write the way you talk. You tell us the reason why you find you guys find me interesting is not so much that I'm so interesting, which is nice if you think that. Yay. But it's because I'm telling you a story and you're hanging on every word because you're paying attention because you're dying to see where this goes because you care. I'm making you care. How am I making you care? Because I'm telling you a story. How am I doing that? I'm hooking you with emotion. You are vested in screenwriting. You're vested in learning. You're dying to do this correctly. You want your stuff done. That should not be the core that drives you. But if that happens, yay. I'm trying to hook you emotionally in the show. I want you to write, rewrite, and live your life. 
That's an emotional hook for me. Write the way you talk. I had, I wrote back and forth with this guy, back and forth, back and forth. He had this great Vietnam story. It had to be told. He wasn't the guy to tell the story. I said, sorry, love you, mean it. You're not the guy for this job. I knew three writers in my stable who could have done it in a heartbeat. Unfortunately, the guy who wrote the book gave the rights away to the screenwriter. So I told the screenwriter, okay, since basically this guy's married to you, why not? I said, you on the phone with me? You're fantastic. Start talking to the page and start typing. Do you know he fought me on this a little bit? He kept explaining to me. I said, listen to how you talk. How you talk is so interesting. Write it down. Editing can come later. Brett, when I met Brett, he very much is what you see is what you get with him. I adore him. I haven't met Pia yet, but I am in love with her. Um, what you see is what you get with these people, the way they talk. It very much is conveyed on the page with them. It's kind of hard to explain, but if you hear the way, it, it, it really is very special. If, if I could be a screenwriter, I have a feeling I'd be very good at it because I write the way I talk. Could I write something sellable? Probably not. Could I hook the reader? More than likely. Why? Because I'm nimble when it comes to wordsmithing. That doesn't make me an egomaniac. I just know where my skill set is. You want to talk about wordsmithing. Oh, my God. Craig Clyde, Craig Sabin, Greg Houghton, Jason Bortz, freaking these Dennis Miller. I could listen to his radio show and I, I, I learn I, – I have to have a dictionary nearby if I listen to him or Ann Coulter. These people, they're just so great at wordsmithing. That is your job as a writer. So when I get back to this, how to get emotion on the page, well, you're going to have to find the words, aren't you? You're going to have to use dexterity when you're going through Rodale's. Don't just pick any word and throw it on the page. Do not give us talking heads. Talking heads aren't a lot of fun, kids. It's just quite boring, you know. So write the way you talk. I think that if you leave high tone and fancy to do a side, you're going to be really happy with that. Okay, in the character description column, I read some really good characters. I'm in love with the I-S-H word. Okay, you guys know I hate the I-N-G word. The I-S-H word makes me really happy. Here is, uh, so I have a couple here that I'm Character descriptions I love. Bookish, hawkish, wiry, focused, hard, soft, expressionless, poker face, animated, electric, apish, girlish, flaming, stoic, hard, and seasoned. Those are some of my favorites. So I saw um, this in a script, Bill, 50, intense. And then I saw another one, Crystal, brown eyes of pure focus. Those, See what I mean? You just saw that, didn't you? Listen to that, Crystal, brown eyes of pure focus. I'm sorry. That's what I mean by emotion. You just saw that. Now you're hooked. Tell the story. Write it down. Write it down. Okay. I don't know how my time is, but I think I'm good. Um, how do I say this without sounding negative? There has to be a time in your life where you know when it's time to walk away. This happens in relationships. This happens with one too many cocktails. It happens with one too many pieces of chocolate. There's a number of things. I am personally miserably addicted to, to, to sugar. It's quite pathetic, actually. I have to be very careful. Um, because it just doesn't do my body any good. And forget it. I keep my dentist in Hawaii every year. She loves seeing me. I walk in. She pours the wine. She's like, Barbara's here. Yay. Because <laughs> I've got the, but anyway, um, I would recommend you guys pick up the book called The Dip by Seth Godin. Here's the money line in the article, 17,000 days, I believe it's called. Yeah. 17,000 days. How to know when to quit. 
I'll send Michael the uh, information. He's usually good at finding the link. The Dip by Seth Grodin. Here's the money line. You're listening? Here we go. I'm going to read again. I know you hate when I read. I'm going to read anyway. Specifically, if you, this is a quote. Specifically, if you're trying to influence one person as opposed to a market and it's not working, quit. If you're not seeing any measurable prog- progress, quit. If you're in a non-growth situation, quit. Examples here include dying industries and jobs with no room for advancement. If these things are not true and you're just panicking or frustrated, you're in the dip. Don't quit. Get the book, The Dip. I'm going to read it too. Why? Obviously, every five minutes, I'm quitting. <laughs> just, I'm like, okay, three pictures we had this year, two of them dumped. At the same time, we got an opportunity to do a cable pilot with one of our writers, Tanya. I'm so proud of her. She's doing a pilot. I can't tell you what it's about. Sorry. I had, I actually had to sign a um, non-disclosed. But it's a pilot for cable. It's very exciting. You guys are going to love it. You're going to watch it. It's going to go. It's going to be huge. It's a year and a half out. But it's really exciting. So, yeah, I'm quitting every five minutes. So what I'm trying to get across here for you is how to know when it's time to walk away. You do not need my permission to do that. I am telling you, quitting screenwriting will not be the death of you. There's novel writing. There's blog writing. There's teaching writing. When I hear the expression, those who can't teach, it infuriates me. Because I can, I teach. That's the money line. It is not your job to be a masochist and beat yourself over the head because you're not a sold screenwriter. That is not what this is about. That's not what this show is about. That is not what the industry is about. This industry is completely counterintuitive to any business model that you know of. In fact, I'm going to say this about the book, The Dip. I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to. I ordered it. They're going to be speaking, of course, about routine industries. They may not touch on the arts. Who knows? They might. I haven't seen what's in the book. I had to ask myself, am I addicted to being an agent? Like I'm addicted to sugar. Am I addicted to being an agent? I had to actually ask myself this, Michael. I really did. I did a lot of reflection in the last two months. I did. Why? Because life is short. Here's the thing. In my world, the goalpost doesn't move. If I keep doing what I'm doing, I will catch a few breaks. I will know in my heart intuitively, I'm speaking from personal experience now, when it's time to quit. Right now, because these two pictures did not happen, my writer and our agency, we are experiencing the dip. Why? Because we made progress. We made a lot of progress. We, I am telling you, you will know. I do not want you to be one of those people that writes because you're afraid to quit. Do not be afraid to quit. Having said that, you better not quit until you're supposed to. Don't, please, if you think you want to jump off a ledge and not write anymore, shoot me an email. Shoot Michael an email. Michael has some of the, Michael is a friend of mine. I am a friend of his. Pia is a friend of mine. She's also a client. These people have very high emotional IQs, kids. They are there for you. So is Brett Martin, insanely bright. He is, he sparkles. Brett Martin sparkles. When you're in his presence, he sparkles. And he lets you be the star while he's sparkling. When you read How to Win Friends and Influence People, you'll know more what that means. If you can see the joy in the actual writing, You've already won. 
you're already there. You're already past the goalpost. If, however, that all you're doing is writing for the sale, I would urge you, I don't know if you meditate, pray, I pray. You guys know that I'm a Christian. I would urge you to consider another form of art because writing for the sale, when you read the dip, you'll see what I mean. Because if you read the article, 17,000 Days, just read that. You'll go, wow, I got to get this book because it's so fascinating how realistically based that particular theology is for them. I'm teaching you how to do something different. I'm teaching you how to walk away, but I'm going to teach you how to know when to walk away because some people, it even says it in the article, it says something like, what if you quit right before your success? You know, I mean, oh my God, wouldn't that just suck? Yeah, that would totally suck. Okay. So, um, don't do anything rash. I'm, I'm not trying to say you're not sold. You should stop that. It's so not what this show is about. I teach a screenwriters class. Many of the women that most of them are women that come to my class. Many of the women that come to that class, they just want to vent. They really do. They love it. I told one of my writers who wanted to be a screenwriter, I said, you're, I said, you should be blogging. You have something to say. You have a significant point of view. If I wasn't doing the show with Michael, I would be blogging about this stuff, but it's much more fun to interact with you guys and, and see stuff on the thread and then speak about it rather than type it up because I'm typing pitches all day and emails all day. And it's just like, ugh. um, as we wind down for the year, I will tell you that uh, my doors are way open. I need low-budget thrillers, contained shoots. Yes, I'm reading horror. Shut up, Pia. I love Pia's arterial motives. Love it. I loved it. It was really well-written. She's hilarious. She's such a good writer. Um, I read another horror script that was terrible. I'm getting actually good at reading horror. You guys would be so proud of me. Okay, everybody, as we wrap up for the year, Michael, hugs to Chris. Um, This is Babs. For Babs Buzz, I will see you guys probably in, I guess, mid-January. I don't know. It's up to Michael. He'll start the ball rolling probably in January. I am humbled by the fact that you guys even give me the time of day. I, 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 Darlings, I'm chuffed. And uh, somebody said, Barbara, don't drink wine during your show. And I never do. I drank wine once during my show. And you were right. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I listened to the playback. I go, well, I got away with it, but I'm never going to do that again. But um, I'm going to have a glass of wine now to celebrate. I'm going to toast each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me read you. Thank you for letting me help you. Thank you for helping me. Um, this has been just an extraordinary year. It's been, it's been the, of all the years since I've been doing this, this has been the most um, it's been the closest to a roller coaster ride that I can ever recall. That tells me good things, though. It tells me that things are, you know, you know how time compresses. It tells me that things are getting, they're going to get better. And uh, and I love you all dearly, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. This is Babs for Babs Buzz, encouraging you like crazy to write. Make sure you rewrite, and don't forget to live your life. Peace. <laughs>